and we're live um just say before we get started even more music is from the ncs youtube channel are you crediting them this way in audio i yeah i think it's better to just get that out of the way well, you do need to add it in the descriptions. I think that's what matters. I don't think mid Twitch stream, it is going to matter at all. I did want to begin with the usual. It is 2020.09.30. This is Lucid Indifference, episode number 23. Lucidindifference.com, the only podcast that does not talk about politics. <laughs> oh, boy, would I love to, because we're Canadian. <laughs> Nobody knows enough about Canadian politics including Canadians. I know Americans are baffled. You really ought to be because we are. Um, so I've, I've actually got a pretty short list of stuff to talk about, but that's never stopped me before. Hopefully I can ramble on. Um, I do want to say that I've been editing all the previous shows. I'm mostly caught up. And what that's let me do is that that's let me um, come closer and closer to really hearing the improvements in the previous shows, both in terms of the, the cadence of the voice and the breathing and the plosives. So there's an actual skill involved with doing a lot of the voice work. And the thing about doing the editing is, uh, you can, you can do all kinds of audio treatment after the fact, but really what has to happen is the improvement has to happen at the recording side of things because you can only do so much. So for example, if you're doing a podcast in a car and uh, yeah, sure. You can, after the fact, do some audio treatments to edit out your own vehicle, but it's not like you can really do audio treatment in the car or anything like that. There's problems that happen right at the level of recording where no matter what you do, it's going to be kind of awful. Uh, and I've, that's strange because I've seen, I mean, cell phone technology or for the Americans, mobile phone technology, it has really improved. And we do actually have people that will film their YouTube videos driving in a car, like they're coming home from work kind of thing. And they just put the phone up on the dash, uh, hopefully only occasionally glance at it so they don't get into... Um, some kind of accident <laughs> and break their phone <laughs> or worse. Right. And, uh, the audio comes out very well for those sorts of things. And, uh, at any rate, at any rate, so being able to do the editing and catching up and doing the editing right away gives me some excellent feedback. I do want to begin doing the editing di directly hopefully that same day, but m most likely the day after actually, uh, recording. And that gives me some pretty immediate kind of feedback for myself. So for example, one of the things that I'm doing right now is, uh, and I'll talk about it in the third segment is I actually have a, a giant, like a quilt set up pretty close. And I, I forgot to do that previous show but I did do that the show before. So I get to actually listen to the difference. I hope. Anyhow. So let's talk about something, uh, really strange and down to earth. I suppose, uh, there was a deal on crackers of all things. So I bought a bunch of crackers. I mean, because why not? 
because uh, I, I was complaining about cutting bread out of my diet, so I went and bought crackers. Oh, <laughs> uh, close enough. We'll, we'll see if, if that is a problem or not. And it's, so I bought a bunch of peanut butter as well. It's just one of the things where I just, I was spontaneous. When's the last time I had peanut butter? Now, I think this might be the last time I have peanut butter because I'm thinking of doing calorie counting as one of the methods of reducing weight. Most specifically, I'm getting dad bod, so I've got that gut that's coming in. Well, that is in. And I know the ladies keep saying that they don't mind. and It's it's like a feature of older men. They actually like it, this kind of stuff. But uh, I think they're all lying. So I, it is something that I want to work on, even if it's just attached to my self-esteem. I think it's a it's a good reason. It's also probably good for lifespan and health, and I need to fix my cardio and all this kind of stuff. Now, I mentioned all that because, whoa boy, the amount of calories in peanut butter. <laughs> now, I knew there was a lot, and there's a reason that like there's peanut butter, granola bar type stuff in uh, survival kits where you get like, the, the, you, you chew, it's, it's, what's the term from Lord of the Rings? Um, there's actually two different, there's a, an elven kind and a dwarven kind of bread. Uh, it's like lemas wafers or, uh, I can't remember where you can only, you only need to eat a little bit of it and it'll sustain you for the day. And, uh, so there's an equivalent that, that humans make in the real world with uh with this survivalism makes these uh kind of high calorie packed things and they almost always have peanut butter in them because it's just a crazy amount of calories all packed in there so i've been eating peanut butter and crackers and and i'm i'm annoyed that i looked at the label but i'm still eating it i'm still going to finish it and i'm going to learn this lesson this high calorie lesson Anyhow, uh, I just decided, because I remember doing it once in the past, and it's been so long since I've eaten, like, crackers, that I had to try it again. It's kind of a spontaneous thing. I decided to turn the cracker, you know, put some peanut butter on it carefully so we don't split it in half, so crumbs don't fly all over the place and at 3 in the morning. And so I decided that I would actually turn it upside down in my mouth, so it's peanut butter down on my tongue when I'm eating it. And I know it's the weirdest thing. And it sounds weird saying it, but it actually enhances the taste an incredible amount. Like, the difference is astonishing. And it's weird because uh, this, the crackers that were on sale are like four different varieties. And I normally, you can't tell them apart because it's, it's just all going to be peanut butter flavored. So I really don't care if it's vegetable melody or if it's whatever, multigrain, this kind of stuff. It doesn't. It's never going to matter when you've got a good quality peanut butter on there. But turning it upside down, that that makes a huge difference. It's going to make me kind of regret not doing this anymore if I give up on the peanut butter thing. Because it's like 250, calorie, uh, 250 calories for a tablespoon, something crazy like that. And, you know... That's that's two crackers worth of peanut butter kind of thing. So I either learn to spread it real thin or and I really don't want to have like low calorie peanut butter or something like that. I'd rather, yeah, I'd, I'd rather just cut it out of my diet, kind of the, the sour grapes. Like 
I, I didn't want peanut butter anyway and just switch to something else. And I might have to get rid of crackers as it is anyway, because carbs, because bread, because this kind of stuff. So, so that was amusing to find out. And I do actually highly recommend that other people try this specifically. If you get a cracker, that's got like, I, I found this cracker that has of, of all things, poppy seeds in it, and you can actually taste the poppy seeds doing this, but maybe it's also enhanced by mustard seeds, which I never would have thought I'd like, because I don't like real mustard. I like the, the crappy French's mustard. I don't like Dijon or any of these weird things. I have, again, I have terrible taste. Minnie knows this. I have terrible taste in everything. Oh, speaking of terrible taste. Okay, so everybody remembers my, my need for bacon. Again, I don't like bacon, but I have to eat it. And I'm feeling better having eaten it about like 45 minutes ago. And I hadn't been eating bacon recently, and I became a little more irritable. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm still trying to nail it down, but I think I'm on to something still. And, uh, we got some new bacon and, uh, it is absolutely atrocious <laughs> and it's, it's out of the package. We just pulled it out and then froze a whole lot of it. And so Minion doesn't know what kind of bacon it is. It's just weird and smelly. And I have, I don't know what tastes there are. So I know it's not maple and it's some sort of smoky something or other. I, uh, but I got to eat it, right? Because I need bacon. So that might that might actually prompt me to go out and like out into that weird outer, outer net and go buy some actual bacon at a grocery store. But I don't like it, given the times, uh, it is important to not go out. <laughs> so so that's uh, the, the, uh, that's not something I'm looking forward to do doing minion. <laughs> um, you were shocked that it took two and a half hours to go grocery shopping before. You're like, oh, there's a lineup outside this place. And you decided to go to like four different grocery stores. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, I'm never going to do that. I, I, no, no. What? You were confused that I, um, that I would just go out and go to one grocery store. <laughs> I think that's a, that's something you're going to have to learn to do as well. Just go out. If you want to go to Walmart, which it's probably the last place you go to. If you go to Walmart, you should go to Walmart for more than just groceries. So you can actually have like a, a reason to be there. But for, uh, if you want to go out, just pick one place and just go there. And that way you're not exposed to multiple places, uh, which is... Again, Canada's doing great, so it's not not actually a big deal. I don't think anywhere in Canada has uh, it, it's it's the weirdest concern, but I don't think Halloween is canceled here, which I it, it's it's weird. So I know that there's going to be a huge scarring impact on the young because of all of this, all because now we have parents that are putting masks on children and stuff like this, which. Yeah, I've got there. There, is, there are consequences for children. I, I don't think adults remember being children well enough to know just how. Uh, it, it's there's kind of a guilt that exists in the young where they really want to be out of the way. I've talked about this before, when, 
now the kids are going to feel really bad about showing their faces or breathing near one another or getting close to anybody, etc. So back, so in Ontario, there was this, uh, education was being infected by the notion that children need to be protected. And back then, uh, everything started getting torn down and made padded and safe and withdrawn more and more inside rather than having outdoor play. And then, and it, uh, it damaged, it has damaged every child in Canada since the seventies. And it's just gotten progressively worse. And we see the results in adults now. And there, there are going to be incalculable damages psychologically to generations of kids that are going to be influenced by the concept of social distance in a class that is preposterous. And, uh, the, my worry about Halloween was that it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, a very different kind because Europeans. So we've got some European listeners who might not fully understand this, but it's an extremely important cultural event to participate in, you know, playing dress up, going and exploring outside nowadays. So quote unquote, back in my day, we didn't necessarily run around with adults. And that's a totally alien concept now because now the world is dangerous for some, because reasons. And, uh, but back then you'd just be with a pile of your friends and you'd be going door to door, et cetera. And that's an important cultural childhood life event thing. And these days we have more and more adults again, because of damaged children, not raised right. Now we have adults that go trick or treating, which if you're 20, you don't get to go trick or treating anymore. If you're, if you're at a high school, you know, if you're an adult, 17 is kind of pushing it, but I mean, whatever, if you got a cool costume, I'll give you candy for it. That's fine. But you should probably be out. Oh, you should probably be at home parties or something like that instead. So I'm really glad that there hasn't been a, uh, a massive social pressure to at least guilt people into staying home. Uh, we've had jokes about having like trebuchet or catapults or slingshots or something to get like candy to kids just like have them open their bag and, and like put it in front of their face. So you don't actually knock them in the head and then aim for their head, obviously, and try to get, you know, try to get candies in there. And, uh, I, what I'm going to do, I, I actually, I mean, for the first time in years, I actually do want to sit out there and, and give candy to kids to, I guess, to parents that are brave enough to, to, like send their kids kind of door to door kind of thing. And I, so I bought a bunch of candy and all this kind of stuff and I'll be out there. And what I ended up doing is I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, we've got this, this social problem that's happening with touching stuff. And, uh, that's really not a good thing. Civilized, civil, civilizationally, I guess I should say. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm putting, I'm going to put the candy in 
they're still in boxes. So there's never going to be in little wrappers or anything like that. So they're going to be branded brand, brand name boxes kind of thing. So like, uh, like little party size packs of Smarties or Snickers or something like this, but I'm going to put them into little transparent, uh, mesh baggies and I'll just have it like that to give more of a sense of comfort. And so I'll, I'll, I'll hand those out. I'll be happy to hand those out. And the, the thing it's been, it's been on my mind for so many years. It's again, um, it's been on one of my Amazon wish lists for literally years. And before that had it bookmarked. I, when I was a kid, uh, I cannot recall when I was first introduced to them, but I want to think that it was from Halloween, but I'm going to do it for Halloween, which is to introduce a generation of kids brave enough to go door to door to the, uh, the uh, assemble it yourself foam airplanes with a little propeller up front. They're not rubber band driven or anything like that, but and in, in there, they come disassembled in these like Ikea style flat packed kind of thing. And it's just a few parts that you put together and it's an actual really high quality. It's got a little weight to it. It's, it's foam and it fly, flies really well. It's not as good as these balsa wood ones, but, uh, I've never really had experience with those and they're terribly expensive. So that's right out. But I found uh, a bunch of these airplanes in bulk and I'm actually going to, I might just give them away to parents that come. Um, just because there might be some problems if, if a kid assembles their plane and starts throwing around the house, <laughs> um, uh, while funny, I would not want to participate in, in something like that. So it would be a good idea to hand it to a parent that partly because it might be really fun or a trip down memory lane for a parent, but also so that they can manage it as a thing that they may or may not give to a kid or that they know about it up front and they can help assemble it, et cetera. I mean, if the kid is 12, then I don't see any problem whatsoever, but again, I'm not their parent, but if it's under that, yeah, I can see giving it, I would totally give it to the parent of an eight year old that that's not a big deal for me. Uh, I, but I would love to, I, I ordered enough that I'm pretty sure I will have a lot left over, which I mean, they're not going to go bad. So I'll keep them for next year and maybe I'll be remembered for it. And they'll come back to the same place like next year. Assuming I'm assuming I'm still alive, assuming I still care about Halloween. Right. And that's the thing. I went mask shopping. Cause that's the other concern is like, I think it's important that a person who's handing out candy gives a perception of cleanliness or separation. And people have joked about the Halloween thing where, where uh, you're wearing a mask because because you, you really are. And uh, that's, that's actually not true because there's a lot of open mouthed stuff. But I, so what I, I went looking around and I actually had, I had some masks on a, on a, Again, my many bits of exploration for Amazon. I actually had some masks on from, I think, Etsy of all, of all places. And uh, I, I just thought they were cool. And I thought maybe I'd wear them for a stream or something interesting like that. At any rate, I did 
have some previous thought that went into the idea of, well, what's portable, right? So the idea of Halloween masks. And I went looking and looking and looking. And I found some that were cool. And then I went for like different styles. And they were, they're all kind of like made in China junk. So I, the first problem is they're all small, which, which is annoying. It's like one size fits most. <laughs> well, not me, right? So I had to keep exploring and I found a really, really nice mask that, that ought to work for, for my face. And it has, it's got a closed mouth. And so it will, it's not, it's also not scary. So it's, it's meant to be something that is fun and friendly to the young and also gives that distance and kind of safety that a parent would appreciate. But the problem is I ordered it and I ordered it as soon as I made the decision and it, it's shipping got delayed. It's like, this should come in at about the 6th of November. Like, oh, sad. As Minion would say, sad face. So that kind of sucks. So I, I'm not sure if I should like order something else or just not care. Or like call this entire Halloween off and just throw my hands up and, and turn all my lights off and stay home and all this kind of stuff. It's, I'm just, it's annoying. It's really annoying. So on to some other weird topic. Um, I, I'm actually thinking of using these as part of the Halloween stuff, just like draping them over a chair or something. But I, I bought some new sheets and I've been going on about spending a little bit of money on improving the, your sleep conditions. And I used to have silk sheets, which are really nice and I highly recommend them. And if you actually have the money and you can redirect it or save up for this, I highly recommend getting some silk sheets. Now, keep in mind that they're slick. And so you will have to have the appropriate kind of quilt or something like that, that has some uh, texture to it, or it'll slide off, which is kind of annoying. Um, but, but I got satin which is, you know, it's like the fake shiny slippery stuff. The thing is, so the first problem is I got it and I'm like, I'm looking at it. I ordered gray and that was a mistake because gray means silver. Now I know the difference between silver and gray. Silver is shiny gray and they sold me gray, but this was very, very shiny. So like, uh, Okay, but I I washed them and then I put them on my bed and I slept in them. And man, these are awful, awful, awful sheets. So the problem, okay, so the benefit of cotton is that cotton is a nice weave and it, but it's fairly loose. Like if you if you hold it up to the light, the light will come through. If you put your hand behind it and you breathe through it, you'll your breath will you can feel it. Okay, so the the thing about cotton is it's a loose enough weave that it breathes, so to speak. So you, uh, so you have a cloud of moisture around you. So your skin is moist. And when you're sleeping, that's quite a lot of time under covers where your body will just continue to, it's not like perspiration, but you have sweat that comes out, right? And I'm, I run particularly hot at night. And so my, my 
it's really a, a, quite a challenge for me to find the right temperature and this kind of stuff. What I like doing is I like leaving my window slightly ajar and making my room cold. And uh, I might have to close my window in the middle of the night and stuff. And I would just bundle right up. That's the best sleeping experience. I highly recommend it. And it's, if you've got uh, cool summer nights and uh, you feel safe doing it, uh, then leave your window open at night. And, and if you need to alleviate any concerns, get some bars in your window just for that effect, because you wake up with a kind of cottage feeling with a nice cold room. Overnight, you've bundled up, which is just the best sleep experience. You actually sleep better when you're a little bit cooler. I think most people know this. And uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Terrible seats. Terrible sheets. Okay. So these... These sheets are unlike cotton, so they're an alien material. They're much tighter knit, and they're they're shiny, they're slick. They hold in all that moisture, and they are the wrong kind of slick. So they're like the calluses on my feet will scratch along these sheets, and uh, it's just it just feels so bad. And maybe it's because I have. I've been spoiled by having good taste, having had good sheets, but I think these are just genuinely awful. So I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. If I keep these sheets, I'll just drape them over a chair and sit on them outside as a Halloween thing and just be like, this, this is my life lesson. I'm going to make the best out of this thing. I'm going to, I'm not going to make it like a, a really terrible, shiny, silvery ghost costume or something really awful like that <laughs> i'm not going to turn it into my superhero cape it would probably make for a really good one though um so uh, maybe i'll return them i their sheets though like can you i probably can because amazon is really good about accepting returns so i might actually it's not even quote-unquote getting away with it it's just that's their policy and I'd, I'd be forcing the seller to like wash them and try to sell them used which if I were shopping and I were to buy used sheets, I'm, I'm I mean, I probably wouldn't. I'd, I'd probably be like, eh, I'll spend the extra ten bucks and get something that's new, or rather the reverse. Like I'll, I'll pay normal price because I'm not buying. I mean, I'm not buying a hat uh, used. I'm not buying clothes used under like online or under some really suspect conditions i'll buy them from like um uh well i don't know if it's the same everywhere but we've got damn what's the salvation army is one place that one thrift store place and they're all trustworthy with the the clothes they actually have a a really solid laundering procedure so if you actually go to a place buy the item first but when you buy an item and you bring it home so you don't do this in the actual place but smell it and it will smell off it will smell unlike other laundered stuff it's because they they chemically treat the clothes and uh, it's not too offensive in the store but you might be able to smell it while you're walking between the the many 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 aisles of clothes just because there's so much of it that there's a little, there's a little scent. It's like going through a library, you know, there's that smell. 
Um, so there's a little leftover scent from their laundering process. So that's the sheets thing. Um, I, I, okay, so I'm going to talk about documentation. So I had talked about earlier, um, I've talked about the difference in people and that there are some people that aren't bothered by uh, typos. They, they don't really read a lot of stuff. They, they won't notice a lot of things. They might not even be a very good written communicator, this kind of stuff. And there's another sort of person who fixates on problems with written language and they're really into it. And they, and they might actually see people who are poor at that as being less intelligent, which is false. So there is a, there's a disconnect that happens there. Well, I'm, I'm of that sort. I read everything and I don't just read everything as some sort of compulsion. Uh, I, I like documentation. It's been my industry before, and I really like using it for even teaching my future self. So I leave notes for my future self explaining what I'm doing not always very well, but I do it. I try. And I will read my past notes. And I also read the documentation for every object of significance, probably every object that I buy. And I actually take it seriously. And you'd be surprised the little tidbits of stuff that you, that you will learn by uh, reading stuff. So for example, I bought some ibuprofen and I don't, I'm not a headachey person and I'm a fairly natural person. So I've lived a life without, for example, without adding salt to anything ever for any reason, even hesitating with adding it to bread that I bake myself. But, uh, I have experienced headaches and I've had a back problem and having the correct pain medication would have saved me from a lot of grief. So it's something that I have to learn from. So I've got like pain medication on me at all times, just in case. And I've got a, so I, but I was looking through my pills and because I don't really use this stuff, a bottle expired. I'm like, okay, well, so first off I did go to the American, it, it happened to the, the, be the American military and they did a study on, I've, I must've explained this before. They did a study on understanding for emergency circumstances, the expiry, the actual expiry, the usable expiry of over the counter stuff. Uh, and pain medications were there. And so aspirin, for example, from the date on the bottle. Um, and again, I actually went to them. So I recommend you, the listener, go to them. Don't take my word for it, but I actually read the documentation and it's 15 years past the date on the bottle where it's still effective. And this is not true for all things. And in some things, uh, you have to take it really seriously because it starts doing bad things when it expires. And in the case of something like vitamin C, instead of being an antioxidant, it becomes an oxidant. So, so some of the stuff you can, you can do bad things to yourself by. So I, I, in this particular case, I just decided it was cheap. I would discard it. I would get a new bottle because this was important stuff and I would need it at full strength, this kind of stuff. And, uh, I was actually reading 
sometimes you can peel the label back and there'll be like a little fold out or there will be information on the back of the label. Sometimes there might be a little insert in the box. Um, and a lot of people will ignore these things, but I read it. I read it for ibuprofen of all things. And I'm reading through it. I'm reading through it. And the reason why I wanted pain medication is I'm getting dehydrated at night because I've had some water problems, some hydration issues, which I'm going to address with like, I have some electrolyte pills that are coming in and maybe that will do something. And there's like magical electrolyte water that you can buy that I'm thinking of getting, you know, maybe, right? And but you're worried about electrolytes? There's like Gatorade powder that I have you could use. Yeah, well, the thing is, I was looking at stuff that is specifically designed for um, uh, for dehydration. Um, and I know Gatorade wants to sell itself as kind of a sports drink stuff. Uh, but I wanted to go to something that's a little more clinical about the problem. And so I don't need it as uh, kind of an entertainment thing. Like you drink Gatorade because it's tasty. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I want to solve a problem. Uh, I probably won't like the taste of Gatorade. And if I like the taste, you know what I'm like with stuff. <laughs> if I like the taste of Gatorade, I'll just start drinking it and then I won't have it anymore. The entire point is that I have a solution for this problem, not that I create a new, uh, a new element in my diet that I will just want all the time. So I'll just binge on it. So having pills for a specific problem or having like, like this one liter bottle of electrolyte infused magic, you know, with, with added zinc and this kind of stuff, that's, that's. That's clinical enough, that's separate enough from diet that I can just have it in the equivalent of a medicine cabinet. And so that's the problem I'm trying to solve. It's the hydration thing. So, and one of the things that you might want to consider having this stuff on hand for is uh, for hangover. And I don't have a problem with hangovers because I don't drink. <laughs> but if I do drink, we'll, I'll have a hangover before... I finish a glass of beer. It's, it's, I'm very sensitive and it's really bad. And, uh, and so I just, I avoid the stuff and I, I understand that there are, are social reasons for drinking and I can't, I can do it if I want to. Um, there are actually, well, I'll totally get derailed by this cause, cause, cause it's interesting to me. Okay. I can't explain it well, but I, I wrote notes somewhere. I've got them got like a little thing on the side of, of stuff that I might want to buy for this specific thing because alcohol is a real big problem for me. There's actually uh, a set of pills that you can take before drinking and after drinking with a kind of a prescribed way of handling things. And the of course, you need to drink a lot of water, this kind of stuff, to help you... Uh, uh, reduce the problems of a hangover. Okay. <laughs> and it, the thing is, you know, there's something amiss when you have to go through a lot of these procedures to, to deal with the damage of some bit of entertainment that you're doing. It's like, maybe you shouldn't do the thing in the first place. Like, you know, 
it's like, yeah, yeah. But there could be circumstances where if you're sensitive and you want to go to a birthday party and you want to have a few drinks, then there's some stuff you can do to mitigate the problems at, at any rate. Um, that, that avenue might be something for me to research because it's a very similar problem. You're, you're a little dehydrated. Your brain's got a little less water. It's highly sensitive. And so you get these headaches. And, and so I got, I already had, uh, I can't, I don't know if I can pronounce it right. Acetaminophen. Uh, so aspirin and, uh, I ran out of Tylenol, which is ibuprofen. And so I went about and I read the documentation. I'm reading through it and it actually, it says what it's good for and what it should not be used for. And actually says that it should not be used for the headaches associated with dehydration. So snap. <laughs> I mean, I, I would never have known that if I didn't read the documentation. It's not intuitive. It's like a headache is a headache, right? Well, apparently not. And they don't go into details because nobody ever tells me anything about anything. But at least it's something for me to know. Now, it does tell me a little bit. And maybe now I need to look into the uh, acetaminophen and see if it is appropriate for the kind of, for the dehydration headaches. So now I, I know ibuprofen would not be good for a hangover headache, which is another huge reason why people take this kind of stuff. So I need to research a little bit more. So the fact that I'm really interested in uh, experiencing more of the things I buy, the things I have by reading the documentation, because I know more about pain medication, because I, I read everything, I'm now empow empowered with this extra knowledge that came straight from the experts that made this stuff. Hey, maybe they're just covering their butts because they don't want people making certain claims about the efficacy of their product for certain purposes. Maybe they're doing that. They never explained that. Uh, but maybe uh, there are legitimate concerns that are there. Maybe there are side effects that are present in taking this for that particular circumstance. Like maybe it would make hangovers worse, for example, or maybe it'll make, maybe it'll make it a little bit better now, but take a lot longer to, to dissipate, right? Maybe, maybe. And the other really good thing to, to learn is uh, problems of dosage and uh, how much over the course of the day. So they'll say something like, well, take one, and then in four hours, if it persists, take another, and then, you know, then see your doctor, this kind of stuff. But it'll also say a maximum per day. So you could take one every four hours, but a maximum of like four tablets or something like this. And yeah, if you've got a headache that persists, well, certainly if you have a headache that persists into a second day, Something's wrong because usually you'll just be rested. So say you wreck your eyes at night because you're staying up late watching TV. Generally speaking, you're going to be okay the next afternoon. You might not be fine the next morning. And that should probably tell you to not like, continue to do that thing. Like if you, if you hurt your eyes going to bed, like from stress like that, and then you wake up and you continue that, that's a, that's a really, really big problem. So, but that's on you. So 
pain medication will say things like that. I did also learn, I learned this, well, I knew this, but I did it anyway, and so I experienced it, is specifically for ibuprofen, it doesn't really, there's not exactly a problem of overdosing on it. I mean, it's still there, but if you take too much ibuprofen, whoa boy, do you feel bad. It's not like taking too, well, certainly if you take too many pills at once, okay? But also if you take too many pills over too frequent a period of time, like if you take one in two hours and then another in a couple hours, you will get this really strange gut rot experience that will pull all of your attention towards it. And it, oh, it is, it is just an odd, uh, disorienting experience. It's not like much of anything else. And so, yeah, understanding and paying attention and hopefully following the, the advice slash instruction slash whatever of, of every random object you have will give you some surprising benefits. So, Hey, I, the weirdest example. So I've got a friend who's got one of these Keurig coffee maker things that uses the little pods. They're supposed to be single use, but you know, you get one of these little mesh cups that you can buy like the next aisle over and put your own coffee grains in it and this kind of stuff. And, um, you, and so I just, he's like, Hey, you can use this. No, not a problem. And uh, I just decide to pull out the manual because it was pretty new and he had the manual kind of up, up next to it. So I pull it out and I'm flipping through it. And it's, you know, it's the safety warnings and all this kind of stuff. And then it gets into cleaning it. And it's like, well, uh, I, I actually don't know if there's really anywhere. Well, certainly not in anywhere I've lived. Nowhere I've lived has had any problems with like uh, hard water, I think is the term. So this is a high calcium content in water, which will lead to like caked on white, caked on calcium. And it will, it'll muck up a lot of, like it'll cloud your kettle. And so you, there are processes for cleaning it out. And this thing was going through all that stuff. I know it doesn't apply, but I was interested. So I read it and it, it's like oh you flush it up with this and whatever the heck i can't remember it now because again it's not important because we don't have hard water problems here but it also explained how to disassemble it in certain ways and i had no idea that was even possible and i i would have just used it as is and and maybe i would have figured this out on my own and probably hurt myself because it's got like a little sharp spike for piercing the uh, single-use things and uh, I actually kind of poked myself on it once, even though I knew it was there. I, I'm, I'm not a smart man. And I, but I learned it and like, oh, you can actually do this. So I actually learned how to disassemble the thing in a certain way for cleaning. Which, of course, you can do that because you can imagine you have these flavored pods and you could have more than one person in a household. And maybe they want to make coffee back to back, but you don't want the flavor of one influence the influencing the flavor of another because maybe they'll have different tastes so yeah you can pull part of the front apart and even disassemble that thing and you can uh, well rinsing it out is okay but uh, i actually have a brand new toothbrush for the purpose of cleaning some of the weird corners of stuff it's very rarely used but if you've got 
stuff like the coffee maker stuff, and it, it just helps a little bit. And it, even if you only use it occasionally, it's because you're the only person that uses it or because other people just don't care. Um, just clean, like you can clean it. You can actually do fine cleaning without like going and getting a cotton swab, like a, a Q-tip, one of these things, um, which would be, which is not good. You want to get something that's reusable. Um, so yeah, the things you learn, um, and bef while I'm sort of on that topic, I've talked about vitamin D and its importance. And I actually bought a whole bunch of straight vitamin D and it's actually, uh, the problem is, uh, I was using fish oil before and it has vitamin A in it, like a lot, a lot, a lot. And so I, that's not a good thing to just double up on that. And so I wasn't sure if I was getting, I, I actually went and I learned about the, again, going and looking stuff up. I went to the Canadian government, which was annoying to go and learn about, uh, recommended daily dosages for vitamin D because I wanted to understand what was the maximum. And wow, I have deja vu. Have I talked about this before? Ooh. A bit briefly. I did. Okay. Yes. So uh, one of my concerns was, well, vitamin D has, there is, exists in fish oil and I was going to get separate vitamin D pills and Hey, isn't vitamin D part of a multivitamin? And I'm like, well, are they the same kind? Do they conflict? Like what's going on? And the amount of vitamin D in all of these combined is nowhere near even the recommended daily dosage. And so I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if I'll ever be like, you can't exactly megadose when it's 25. Well, that's the thing. It's 25 MCG. Isn't that, that's, is that's micrograms, isn't it? Or is that because MG is milligrams. So the units are a little bit off. So I have to look at like the conversions for IU or something like this to understand. Like I would have to take dozens of pills to actually reach the, the, the daily recommendations of that our government gives. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, well, okay. So we're coming up on a break. Uh, I want to end on the minions orange juice experience. <laughs> Do, do you want to try explaining it in a few minutes, Minion? <laughs> or do you want me to? I mean, long story short, there's a container with a... Well, I just want to deal with simplicity. One orange juice container has a lid where it's attached to the container. So all you do is flip it up, pour your drink, and then push it down to close. And the other one, you twist it off, pour your drink, and then put the twist cap back on. And But the twist cap has the better tasting orange juice, so I'd rather go with that one. Uh, going back to the flip cap, drank all that, thought I washed it clean, apparently not, and then when I set it aside, I set the empty container aside, then grabbed, then the next time I went out for sh uh, shopping, bought the twist cap orange juice, poured that into the flip cap container, and then put it away. Turns out that somehow there it mold was on the inside of the spout somehow which i'm now sad about because i had to pour the, the entire container 
life finds a way. <laughs> yeah. So what happened is, uh, so I, obviously as you're pouring it or as it's being moved around, some orange juice is kind of splashing up. So either it wasn't cleaned a hundred percent or just the new orange juice or, or something, something, right? So I actually do almost the same thing with toothpaste where one of the tubes of toothpaste that I had a long time ago had a little flip up cap. And I just found that really convenient. And, but the thing is I kind of lost it. So I must've thrown it out at one point, but what I used to do is I used to keep that from tube to tube, kind of grandfathering it in. And it would just be more convenient to, to flip that up rather than twist it off. And so, yeah, I guess it's kind of lazy like you <laughs> and, but, but unlike you, I made absolutely sure that my cap was completely clean between, you know, exchanges, so to speak. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Live and learn. Uh, that cost you like five bucks to learn that lesson. And I still think that, yes, you could completely wash out. You could like, you could pull out the kitchen toothbrush as well. And you could really get in there and clean it with hot soapy water and probably be okay. But you were telling me that you want to just kind of pitch it and purchase a new of the orange juice you don't like as much just for the container. <laughs> no, kind of like I'm the potato gonna, salad. No, I'm just going to deal with the entire thing now. I'm done. No, you're not going to do this experiment again? Nope. Really? Oh, okay. Well, I think that's a shame. Maybe what I'll do is I'll buy the other orange juice just to help you out. Now I'll drink all the OJ in, in like one day, like I used to at a previous job. How strange. It would just be on my desk. Anyhow, we're coming up with a break. We're going to be back in 10 minutes. We are back. Hello, lurkers and bots again. So uh, I was fiddling through the break with, uh, I, so I have these Bluetooth headset, these, these earbuds, and uh, they were a replacement for the damaged ones and then the low quality ones that I was using before. Kind of the weird Bluetooth adapter and all this kind of stuff that I had. I got a new phone. I decided, hey, I'd get a new pair of headset, pair of earbuds as well. And there, and the entire Bluetooth thing uh, is the right way to go for me because I keep damaging. Well, I don't want to damage a phone, but I have damaged a previous phone. I've damaged all kinds of other devices because headphone jacks are a bad idea when combined with pockets. And the headset that I got was bass enhanced and uh, had, that apparently has no feature to turn that mess off. There are other models of these headsets that have equalizer presets built in. Why that exists, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to think that they would do a better job than the actual player, but I think it's the responsibility of the, of the player to treat the music before it pipes it out to the device. At any rate, um, this, it surprised me with the, the, the base thing. So I had to get an app for my phone and I always had the concern that, well, if, uh, I mean, if, what happens if I'm going to use that with my desktop and I'm just going to have that weird basic thing that I can't turn off. And I've got that problem. Now I migrated from a weird adapter wired thing 
to a to uh to these bluetooth earbuds and now i've got that bass problem i was listening to the break music which i like doing um, and i was fiddling and fiddling and windows actually has an enhancement concept for audio devices uh, so you go into the sound properties for that particular device there's an enhancements tab and there's an equalizer option that doesn't exist for these earbuds and i don't know why I don't understand why it would be treated as something different. Some, so something about the driver, uh, I, I don't understand. There's some other features that are really weird, like loudness equalization, of all things. And I don't know why I, I fiddled with it, and it's actually really great. It just can't get quiet enough for my tastes. So it's kind of, it's useless for me. At any rate, it doesn't solve my problem of having modified bass, uh, which just makes everything sound terrible for me. So, I mean, the only circumstance that I'm going to use these headphones for with my desktop is for voice. So it's, it's annoying, but it's, it's not terrible. Um, I think I'm past the, uh, the, the point in time when I can actually return these and I don't think I'd try to sell them. They're not very expensive or anything like that. I'll keep them. They work for the purpose of, of listening to music on my phone because they've got an equalizer app. So whatever. Just, it kind of stinks. I mean, if I want to take this podcasting thing seriously, then I get a proper set of, uh, a headset of some sort. And there's the problem. I've never talked about this before, I don't think, but my previous headphones, let's see if I have them. Oh, they're all the way over there. Okay, I'm not going to go get them. But the problem with having... Uh, the, the circumoral, so with the proper, a proper headset will be around the ears. So they'll actually have really, really big cups and they'll fit very comfortably with your ears not being touched. Um, good luck getting those. They're a little bit rare. Uh, they're a little bit expensive. So you usually have stuff that presses right on top of your ears. Either way, my head overheats. That's why I don't use these things. Um, but the audio quality is theoretically better than what you would get with just regular earbuds, just because you've got more surface area to work with. At any rate, you can get those Bluetooth and this kind of stuff. And so I could go that route. But the problem is, with my old he uh, my old headphones, they, when I would move a little bit, would actually click. Because I had kind of, it was all plastic up at the top, so there were these hinges that were were plastic. And so when I'm thinking about uh, some replacement, some higher quality version, I would have to actually do a little bit of work to understand whether or not it would creak when I'm moving. And this is the sort of stuff that I'm, I'm kind of glad I learned this very early on in the audio experience. And it's strange because apparently I have certain gestures as I'm speaking because when I'm doing the audio editing from scratch, like by hand listening to everything, I could hear patterns in the ways the clicks happened. And I figured out that it was the headset. Um, it, it's not obvious that that was the case. It was just these weird little clicks. So this is an example of one of the many things that I've learned when, do, when eating my own dog food, when actually listening to my own stuff, when doing my own editing. And... And, and so it's like, well, this is something where um, I 
I might not be able to solve the problem by throwing money at it. So I might not be able to just buy some like $300 Canadian uh, replacement headphones and then have them just somehow be better. I might have this click that appears. I might never have been able to, I might never have known if I just did track wide uh, like changes, like quality settings to edit before putting out a podcast. If I never listened to my own stuff, if I never picked up on the clicking, then um, right, I'd be wasting my money on some head some headset that uh, that I that I it would be past its date of return and all this kind of thing. So I, I could spend hundreds of dollars not knowing that there was a problem here. So instead, I. Honestly, I don't know how inexpensive these headphones are. I, I think these are like $12. <laughs> they were really inexpensive. I'm not even sure where I got them from. Some, like there are some outlets and they've got access to Overstock and stuff like this. I think they're Sony. So it's not like a nothing brand. Uh, they're actually very, very nice. I like them a lot. They just creak. So, so I can't, uh, now that I know that's a thing, I'm kind of agitated every time I wear them and I move. So that, that, yeah, that's that. Okay. So on to something else. Um, Minnie and I was saying how we might have to cancel a couple shows and how I'd have a lot of game content coming out that I had to really attend to. And apparently it didn't get released. It's just dead air. So I'm talking about World of Warcraft and Blizzard just gave us dead air instead of releasing the expected content. And everybody's giving them excuses like, oh, it's because people are working from home and this kind of stuff. And uh, I don't understand what they're thinking is. Uh, what they're lining up is the tightest, most ridiculous release schedule ever done in the history of that game. And it's not a new game. They've done this a lot the release of new stuff. Uh, they're erratic about how it's it's planned out and they want to have certain surprises and stuff like that. But the, the way things are done, there's a promise of release for a certain, for the, the next expansion of content. For So it's like the AAA price for an addition to this, this uh, the current game for the next version of stuff. And so that has a hard date. So there are promises made to all kinds of people, not just the players, to have this released. And then there's a pre-patch. There's a there's a moment in time when they introduce all the new mechanics changes. So I don't have to buy the new stuff. I just have to continue my subscription and I get to experience those changes. So it's like little tweaks to how the classes work and stuff like this. Okay. But there's another bit before that which is uh, there's a story change. And I think I might be getting those two backwards. So there's a part that's a story change, which is there's some new thing, some event, something that introduces the characters to, it, it, it kind of winds the player base up to get them hyped for the next uh, expansion. And so some new thing happens and it's some routine, some quest line some something or other that people get into that they grind through that because it's a very limited edition this is only happening for the next however much time 
And so players are like all over that because there are often certain rewards that you're just never going to get again ever. And, and so some people take it quite seriously and I want to take it quite seriously. It's a, it's a surprise for everyone, right? And it was expected on Tuesday, so yesterday. And nothing happened. It was just dead air. So I had a lot of friends kind of log in and, and they're like, um, and it's just nothing. We, we hung out, we did some stuff. We, uh, we're one of the only guilds that can walk in and, and just grind out this, this super rare mount that we got for a couple more ghillies. So I, that was a great opportunity to do. And it was it might still be our last chance to do it so easily. And at any rate, um, it, it's weird. So what's going to happen is that is going to come. So that new content is going to come. It has to come. And the longer Blizzard waits is the more tight that experience is going to be. It's going to be the that new content, that, that tiny little quest line, the event, the launch event. And then there's going to be the the character changes, and then there's going to be the expansion. It's going to be right one after the other after the other. And after the expansion launches, there is one single week between the expansion launch and getting into raiding, which is a major, major deal for a lot of, a lot of people. They want to get right into that front, that right at the, the cutting edge end content right away. And my guild is, 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 uh, is, has solid competition right up there at the top, but we're not trying to compete, but we take it seriously internally. Like we have fun pushing ourselves to do well without trying to compare ourselves to other people. And so we're all excited. We're all going to be really pushing to become solid for rating the next week. So it's going to be like a, maybe a couple of weeks for the the launch event. And then at the tail end of that, there's going to be the introduction of new mechanics where we're not going to really know how to play our characters much. And then there's going to be the new expansion and then there's going to be raiding. So I thought that was going to start yesterday. And I thought, you know, maybe I wouldn't be able to do this show and maybe I wouldn't be able to do the upcoming Sunday show. And I'm thinking, okay, well, now, well, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen next week. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be even harder. That's going to be even more difficult. And it's definitely going to make me not able Let's see. I'm not sure. Cause this is, uh, this is what math. <laughs> this is three and a half hours, kind of three hours, 20 minutes. Plus we've got a wind up time. So we've got a, a workflow to get into it. So, which is about a half an hour before we can actually begin streaming and this kind of stuff. So it's a good four hours and maybe I'll be playing a lot of that game and my breaks, quote unquote breaks. One of them will be doing the show if I can line it up correctly. Um, because this ends early enough that, uh, I can still, it's, there's still game time where, I would be with people that are online for evening events and stuff like that for, for playing with friends. So maybe I will still be able to do the show. Um, because the extreme is being unavailable for like three weeks straight, just because everything is so packed in. 
So hopefully it'll work out. I'm, I'm, nobody has any idea what's going on. And at this point, I'm not even sure that Blizzard knows. But such is such are the days. I mean, I wonder how many other games are getting influenced like this because of work from home and there being really weird constraints because they can't actually get any work done just because everything is so inefficient doing it that way. Um, I don't know. What, what else is coming? Actually, we had the conversation in the kitchen with... We had a friend coming over talking about some some of the games that he's interested in. And it's like, well, what is there anymore? <laughs> There's so many games, but they're not very good. <laughs> I want to get hyped into something new. And it's going through the list of stuff. I'm like, hey, have you seen the Humble Bundle lately? It seems to be. And they're like, no, it's not very good anymore. <laughs> there, There's not even one title that's any good. I'm like, yeah, it's, I don't know. Humble Choice is pretty good. I'm grandfathered in, so I get like nine out of ten choices. So, so I mean, I'll find stuff that's still okay. Although, uh, yeah, they've had some terrible months. Um, other than that, what? When Destiny? When is Destiny coming out anyway? Is it is it going to be worth money? You do it for the rating, don't you, Minion? That's pretty much it. Um, I got bored. Um, I got, I got my light level. So that's like your character level to maximum doing grindy everyday boring stuff. Cause I actually, I don't really get bored like normal people, but, um, I just, eh, my eyes were sore. I stopped playing, stopped caring. I might uninstall it once, um, once the heck is it called? Cyberpunk comes out just to get the hard drive space to install it. When is it coming out? January? I've been trying to talk for the past 10 minutes. Am I unable to hear? Oh, really? Okay, I have to un... Are you muted in Discord? No. Say stuff? I can... I am slowly going crazy. I don't understand. Okay, so... Can you hear me first of all? Okay, I can only hear you when I uh when I listen to the stream itself. So then it's something oh. off Discord. Now I'm hearing you in Discord. I muted you and then unmuted you in Discord. Okay, so Discord's now working. <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. Uh, we'll have you in your audio track all confused. I'll try to mix you in somewhere. No, you'll just be hearing me say a few words, and then I'll just cut off because, due to annoyed reasons. Oh, you'll just give up? Yep. Well, it's, I mean, it's just like normal. I mean, if I could hear you, I'd probably ignore you anyway. <laughs> Half the time. Uh, okay, so let, let's start with, are there any good games that are coming out at all? Do, do good games exist anymore in these times, given that people are working from home? So now that people have, now that a general amount of people have more time, geez, have more time to play, they're, it's just, the best way to describe it right now is not only are we in the best time for video games, due to some people who can't actually work due to the COVID thing, there's a backlog of games for people to play. 
throughout the years and as each iteration comes. So there are, so you don't really have to look forward to new games, but you can go back and play years worth of games. That must stink for current games trying to actually release and make a living because now they're competing with all of everybody's free time being scattered throughout like how many hundred games do I have in my Steam library, right? Well, it's always using Activision as the punching bag and and their stockholders as the main punching bag. Like Activision was trying to appease stockholders because every time because Call of Duty gets released essentially every year by different company yeah. by different um uh developer developers develop studio so the ip gets passed around well they got like three studios making it making call of duty but in their own way but it's published by activision and they're expecting stocks to go up every year but you can't make more money but at some point it caps off so you have the unreal expectation of making more money than lots of money so a lot of businesses are getting into this problem, aren't they? Where, like, I know Blizzard, they made more... I, I This was not a recent thing, but they made... Okay, so you're, you're making profit, which should be good enough. However, when you're a public company, you want to make more profit than before. So it's like Blizzard... Well, they're like, well, the Warcraft's doing great. It's actually not doing great. It's just doing better in China. So overall, it's doing great. And they're like, so we're doing great. So they made a profit, but it wasn't good enough. And everybody was unhappy. All their stockholders were upset. So it's like, like going public as a company is probably the worst thing you can do because now you have to appease an entire... Yeah, so I... Like all these games, yeah, there's a there's a limit to. <laughs> it's like like we've said in a previous show, like all games are now competing with all other games because they're all based around how much attention they can get. So now a puzzle game is competing against a first person shooter, is competing against a strategy game, is competing against whatever because they all require hours of the day. And so a, a, a company can't come out with even a remaster of some old game and expect anything because now they're trying to take time away from an ever-increasing base of other games. Like, I went looking to see how many games I've got. I'm not even sure how to count them, but the stuff that is just uncategorized is 717. And so I'm pr I'm pretty sure I can tack on another you know 50 maybe more. So you can imagine each one of those games some of them are going to be terrible indie games and maybe some of them are going to have controls that I hate so much that I can't play the game or maybe some of those are going to be games that are just not my type they just get thrown in to fill out like you know filler for a humble bundle or something like that or maybe it was on sale or maybe it was a gift maybe it's terrible right? But enough of those are going to be multi-hour experiences. And, and maybe some of those would still be viable multiplayer games. 
And so I could play them like for a lot if I, if I like them. Right. And maybe some of them will be like elite dangerous where maybe it would, I'd be playing it for days on end. And so every new game has to compete with all of that. <laughs> Good luck guys. Good luck. And they expect to make profit on top of that with like microtransactions or something stupid like this. God, I think, um, I think world of Warcraft is going to have to go that direction somehow. Like I think this entire, so do I reveal my secret? Yeah. Okay. I can reveal it because, uh, the, cause blizzard learned about it and fixed the problem. Okay. So problem quote unquote. So there was a point in time, so there it was a garrison expansion. So it was a one where you could like build up your own little private base and hire followers. And it's just a stupid mini game. And I learned that there was one way for you to kind of generate revenue with that setup if you did it correctly. And so I'm like, huh. And so I ended up creating additional characters just for taking advantage of certain circumstances. And I made the game free to play. I made the game free to play and it earned so much money that I actually made the game free to play for, for two expansions and Blizzard knew about this, you know, and, and they ended up closing that bottleneck and I went broke, right? Cause there's no way to actually make money in the game. And I asked around, they're like, Oh, you just play the auction house. I'm like, I don't want to do that. How do I make money? Well, you can't. So so Blizzard's solution is you purchase gold from them. Like, okay. Uh, so now I, ha so I essentially have to have a subscription fee, which is kind of stupid. So I'm paying AAA for the expansion Then I'm paying a monthly subscription. And now I'm paying to actually have enough gold to do basic stuff in the game. Cause I literally ran out, uh, I think two weeks ago. So I can't do certain things anymore. Just I'd have no gold and I have no ability to make it. I can go kill stuff, but that doesn't get me gold. So eh, there's just no, there's nothing there. So next expansion, I'm, I'm facing this. So it's like, that's Blizzard's profitability is, is selling a product and a subscription and kind of trying to con people into doing stuff to, to, cause I don't care about buying pets or mounts or anything dumb like that. I, they're not. They're not good enough. Blizzard had has bad taste in art. So yeah, I mean, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they <laughs> if they made if they're <laughs> how do we even explain it? You'd say it, well, they'd lose money, but no. If if they if their profit wasn't as even greater than they expected, like how what a weird world to live in for that. Um. So yeah. So. Okay, so that was Activision. So, um, but really, what other games are coming out? Because a lot of people are like, well, I want something that's the latest and greatest that's pretty. So, like, Path of Exile has a version 2 that's coming out that I'm pretty interested in. Because the game is just an absolute mess. Right it's now mature there's, enough. Right now there isn't any new games to really look forward to other than Cyberpunk 27, 2077, assuming it doesn't get delayed, hopefully. Um, there's, because of the new con, because of the next generation of consoles coming out, they're really, all the most games are kept in secret. Oh, they're all holding back for a release 
because everything is multi-platform these days. There's some exclusives, right? Still, but yeah, uh, going back to the, um, did we even talk about Microsoft purchasing Zenimax at all? Or no, we haven't. Did you want to? Well, they purchased a few things, and how every uh, other group is reporting it. Um, Zenimax. Zenimax has a few uh, studios that have a PlayStation only release, and Microsoft Honored kept it in honor. Well, they said that. Who knows if they will? I mean, well, legally it's... speaking, if they have to, they have to. Well, not not that Microsoft obeys the law. Not that they'll care, but um, there's been. In for an example, there was uh, I think. It's a Tomb Raider game. I can't remember which one, but it was. They everyone thought it was exclusive to Xbox, but it was only for it was only a year exclusivity. Time locked, yeah. Yeah. Or time gated. I can't remember the term. There might as well be the exact same thing. So, um, so you, you what you're saying is that they're all well. All these game studios, they're not shutting down. They're still working however slow and they're waiting for this new generation of consoles and then they're releasing well at least on one of the consoles and then and hopefully also on the pc but i mean a yearly exclusive it's up to the developer's um, decision because microsoft has a windows something platform and if it can run on that then it can go on console or pc yeah, I heard about that. So it, Microsoft has been working on the holy grail of having the same code base working across different platforms. They kind of have some phone stuff going. Um, they they redid Windows. So Windows 10 actually, a lot of the, there was a lot of rework that would make all this happen. And the new Xbox is going to have a lot of Windows-like stuff to make it trivial for developers to target both Xbox and Windows, which which, I mean, which is incredible. Which, if I were a developer and had to pick between Xbox and PlayStation, and I guess Nintendo or whatever, I'd, I'd pick Xbox always, because it would also open up trivial PC quote-unquote ports. Like, like there, there's been the joke that ports are terrible, because uh, they have been terrible, like throughout all of history, but now there's, you don't even have to port anymore. Just make sure that targets Xbox correctly, and and away you go. That's just magic, man. That's that's some pretty awesome stuff. Um, it also reveals how peasant-like it is to own a console, since you may as well just get a PC and do all this stuff. But there's the argument for both of them. The at the time early in early generations console was well it's either you spend money for a computer which was overpriced or you spend money for a a little entertainment system which just sits there and you can relax and play and then that got out of hand and so did PC but it's you're I why I don't know where to go from here anymore. Well, I know that, so not the very early days, okay, so this is like PlayStation 2, 
right? So PlayStation 2 actually had a, an official Linux distribution on it. And this was a thing where even earlier than that, there was just this kind of hint, a notion of having computing functionality with these dedicated consoles. And there were some very early attempts that kind of didn't go anywhere. It was a, it was a very heavy price problem. And I, so if for the, for those of you who are old enough or collectors, if you flip over your NES, your eight bit NES, the original, you, there's actually a little box that you can pull off the bottom and there's like ports and stuff. Like it, it was actually at one point, uh, there was a notion that you could take the NES and actually slot it on top of some sort of other device most likely that would built, be built with a keyboard, something like a Commodore 128, and you would actually use it as in, uh, a, like a computer computer. Uh, that was never actually implemented, but a lot of the hardware templating stuff was actually, well, was released with the actual thing. So it was just like some mysterious stuff when I was a kid, but it serves no actual purpose. Um, so... The PlayStation 2 had an official Linux. It was eventually uh, abandoned, but it's possible to get that stuff working. I know I had a Dreamcast that had NetBSD, which is uh, kind of a, a cousin to Linux, and you could do quite a lot of interesting... It was a it was a computer computer, so you could do stuff, albeit slowly. Um, and then the... Oh, I remember learning about some of it, but you can get the PlayStation to to do computery stuff and so that's the ps3 and the ps3 is rather fascinating so the ps3 is still oh ps4 is out now okay so i think it was the ps3 that uh some people really really packed around in there to understand how things are going and they had a uh an actual running i think it was netbsd so they actually had a working operating system uh, cooked in right next door to one of the CPUs, like one of the, the main CPUs that was in there. They already had a, a, a BSD running in there. And so an Xbox, I think, had some hackery at one point that allowed it to kind of turn it into a computer. But the thing we've always known that if it's got computing ability in there, I mean, that's what a CPU does. That's what, that's what it all, that's how, that's how computers work, right? That's a game system is a computer and, uh, it's, it's just a bad one. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible one. And, um, and the fact that Microsoft has the Xbox and it is so, it's brazenly computer-like, but you can't do stuff on it. It's just like incredibly heavily customized Windows 10 that's crippled, that doesn't let you install your own software, this kind of stuff. So it's, it's very much like a computer. It's just playing pretend at being a console. I find that, um, I find it rather upsetting. Like what I want to learn is what what could a console offer me that a desktop hardware like a proper PC can't? That isn't just some fake, some weird walled garden thing where like, oh, our console gives you access to such and such for doing gameplay um, 
like gameplay streaming or for saving your clips or for, you know, instant replay stuff or for community. Like that's all stuff that they're choosing to not add for like Steam or something like that. So I I don't know what consoles offer. I I can get the controllers working on my computer. I can like just every, every like are there people out there who are making the decision between getting a PC, getting a desktop computer and getting a console going, well, I'll save money by getting a console. Like I don't, I don't do computer stuff. I mean, maybe they just use their phone for everything somehow. I just, I cannot imagine there being a market for consoles ever, ever again until something magic happens until like Nvidia is like, Oh yeah, we came out with a new 4090 and it's only going to be in Xbox. <laughs> and people are going to be like, oh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an argument for like trinary computing in the next Xbox. I would not be shocked. I will probably live to see that in the next 10 years. Trinary computing. And if uh, these guys are real bright, uh, put the, bake them into consoles and watch all the, the PC users like cry. They're like, consoles are supposed to be peasants <laughs> but it wouldn't be the case oh man i may as well go on that tangent because i guarantee i have something there okay we have the problem of generations of consoles uh, migrating away from compatibility with their old stuff and these days they're now getting all that stuff as downloads again which is really nice to see but consoles except for nintendo they're really being stingy I, yeah. Bad with it. The problem is hardware doesn't last forever. Neither do their cartridges or whatever, right? So that's really annoying because I want to buy something and have it forever. Like see my previous ranting about my DVDs. Um, now, there is an option there where if their next platform jump, their next hardware leap went to trinary CPUs and memory and all the on all the new games were built were built targeting those concepts though all all those concepts could be done in the new refreshed hardware of consoles that can physically cannot exist in the land of PCs right your the very best hardware today doesn't matter how many tens of thousands of dollars your hardware is. It's not going to be trinary at the hardware level. You can't play those games, period. They cannot be made to play on a, a, a PC. And trinary computing would be superior. Just it would be if done right. Well, okay, well, I mean, if done right, right? If consoles are released properly, they would offer an incredible improvement and they would offer actually like legitimately with a technical reason, legitimately exclusive stuff. And that would be a rather exciting moment to, to, and I'd save up for it. But the problem is all that stuff would be bloody expensive uh, because the, everything would be new. You'd have all new processes for building new kinds of CPUs and new kinds of memory. Uh, hopefully NVIDIA, I don't know who owns all the trinary memory that they've been tinkering with that's going to mature but the cpus and stuff they're going to be extra expensive because not being made in bulk like uh pc cpus are so so yeah that's uh that would be rather interesting to to live to see 
So right now I'm at the point when I could be saving it to purchase the next Xbox, but I, I won't. I'll just I'll just take that money, I'll flip it into upgrading my, my regular computer, and I'll have a regular computer. And I'll be able to play all the other games that I have that just aren't available on Xbox or whatever whatever else. I'm only an Xbox fan because Minions got an Xbox. I don't necessarily care. Um at, that at any rate. Make you an Xbox fan, you just you just have an Xbox. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just the owner of that particular paperweight. There you go. Yay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what there is to say about uh, Cyberpunk. But yeah, I'm, I, I really don't care. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to World of Warcraft because my rating experience and my guild are awesome. Um, I'm excited for Path of Exile 2 to see if they clear, if they clean things up. I love the gameplay. I love the style. Um, but it's it's confusing and convoluted and stupid for... It's too easy to die, even though I plan really well. Um, and other than that, Cyberpunk is only because you're interested in it. I don't. I wouldn't care. I mean, <laughs> at all. Um, it seems fun, and choices and such. Sad face and um, Mass Effect, but hopefully these actually make do a lot. Make a an outcome, not outcome, but. There's an outcome. Choices you well, do you... in the game, hopefully in the end, it actually makes an effect. Well, the the choice concept, so the alignment type of concept, is is not new. Not anywhere near new. Not alignment, but it's like you do this, this and this and that, and then hopefully at the end, your choice yeah. had an impact on the end. Yeah, so the, that notion... Um, is immature, right? So hopefully what will happen is they will take the best of all of the previous games, the, all of their experimentation with this notion. All They'll learn from all those failures and they'll make something that is the best of the history of the, the tinkering, right? So, I mean, if you like the concept, then hopefully they'll have the improved version of that concept. Now, Lots of games have, com- have completely messed messed up something like that, messed up their core concept. So who knows if they're going to be smart or not. I mean, maybe the fact that games are, are harder to make now, kind of slower to make, they have to be done from home, maybe that means that there's more thinking involved because there's more downtime. There's, there's the challenge in scheduling everybody to meet remotely, for example, like video conferencing that downtime and planning and this kind of stuff, maybe that means that more individuals are thinking so that they have better conversations when they do get together. I mean, I, I, I'm hoping for improvements in a lot of stuff. I'd love to see that, that silver lining. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know enough about cyberpunk to know if I, I, oh man. I mean, I, I guess my experience was the I will forever be scarred by caring, even though I kind of forgot about it for a long time, but by caring about No Man's Sky. So everybody's got their game that burnt them because they made big promises and they let let them down or something like this. And I'm like that. I just I I'm 
I don't even have to choose to hold back on any excitement. I just lack excitement in any game at all, ever, anymore. It's just, I'm, it, it, maybe this is the moment in my life when I should just give up playing any game at all for any reason and just get on with life. But, you know, I have, I have too many friends online, for example, and I do some interesting stuff, but I mean, I am doing more with my life and all, right? But I mean, I'm doing this podcast, obviously, right? So yeah, so I'm not excited about cyberpunk, but you are. So, so before break, do you want to talk about like what you want to do? Cause we were talking about like streaming it, whatever the heck that means. So you're still convinced that you, I I still want to, I'm going to start streaming right now or tomorrow um, for other things, but just to get me in the, just to prepare me. So like privately, so not because technically speaking, like you could do it under the lucid indifference name, like with this and just start streaming your destiny stuff or whatever the heck doesn't matter. But keep in mind that the names, so your Steam account might get leaked out, right? So you need to understand that stuff. So maybe rename your accounts or whatever, otherwise prepare. If you, so, so everybody knows if, if you want privacy with your Steam name, like you want to change it, uh, you, you can't just change it. You, you change it, but it's in a history. And so you need to know where to look to see the history of name changes. And then you need to change it again and again and again and again until you push that name out and uh, you get something new. And the entire history is just garbled junk of all the previous names that you just added in there as filler. So that's how you'd rename yourself. So are you thinking of like getting into streaming and using this account? Because I wouldn't care. No, I think I'm just going to do it on my, for my actual account and go from there. Okay. So it's like practice and stuff. Yeah. And it's good just to understand how to get OBS up and running, getting all the settings working and stuff like this. Um, and, and understanding like, like there's all kinds of nuances that people don't fully appreciate uh, until you actually get into the thickest stuff. Like. This means that you will be ready by launch day for streaming, for doing, for streaming a new game, which, which that's the smart thing to do. So are, are you, do you want to put your face on camera? Cause like I said, nobody cares what you look like. It's only you. I think like maybe a week or two after when I get everything else good or no, sure. at least a week after not right. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, probably nobody will watch your stream. Yeah. Like, you need to get your guildies all hyped about it. Get them all watching. Get into PvP and maybe make your opponents watch your streams. <laughs> Kick their butts anyway. Um, and the other, the other notion was to, like, I don't mind being a guest on a stream. <laughs> like, like. I, I don't know, maybe the gameplay and you would be there and I would just talk about rambly, whatever random stuff just to fill time. I'll do this. We'll do the stream. We'll do like this podcast only while you're playing a video game. <laughs> cause, cause that's already what we're doing. We're just not displaying your damn tablet. <laughs> so 
So uh, we just, yeah. <laughs> we just have you uh, playing whatever video game and then your floating head occasionally ranting at stuff and then me just podcasting for no reason. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Might as well be I, like that, I guess. I, I don't know that anybody has ever done that. It's just, it's the dumbest thing ever. Like, come for the podcast or come for the game. <laughs> Whatever, we got you covered. Yeah, we could probably pull that off. So, uh, and, and the other notion is actually having me play, which I don't know that I can talk and play at the same time, although maybe I can talk about the game while I'm playing it possibly you know what i'm thinking this kind of stuff so maybe there's value in that but i haven't done streaming in a little while my settings are probably still good i think my d live um there's like a a key for doing restreaming that that is not working at the moment and stuff like that but i mean so i could i could dust myself off i could do that as well so but it really does depend like cuz you were talking about having us play I mean, not necessarily at the same time, but playing different characters and streaming and stuff like that. I don't mind getting involved in that stuff as long as you put effort like, into it. Yeah, I mean, the thing about everything you've ever done is you might be interested in something. Talk about it, actually do it for a bit, and then di- and then dip. Yeah, basically that. Uh, so, I mean, this podcast has lasted a while, but I've worked on improving it. <laughs> I made a major breakthrough earlier today, which, I mean, we'll talk about in segment three. But uh, but you, I mean, I mean, buying a video card and learning how to stream is not, there's more than that. There's more coming up. Um, anyhow, yeah. As usual, we're coming up on a break. We're going to be back in, I think, 11 minutes or so. I will see you guys for segment three shortly. And I'm back. (laughs) I was just going to wait until I could hear you speak. Say something one more time. Ramble, ramble, ramble. Okay, well, that was a really weird thing that that happened earlier. I'm not sure. Was it a Discord thing? Because I didn't touch anything. So one of the reasons I have you, the, one of the advantages of having music during breaks, as opposed to like dead air is because I've got a Bluetooth connection and it appears that my head headphones know when sound isn't being fed to it and it will turn off and turn off about five minutes or so, something like this. And, uh, that's, that's quote unquote inactivity for it. And so during a break, it will turn off. And if I put the headphones on and I'm like listening for stuff and nothing happens, I might not clue in that they're not turned on again. Um, This has not happened yet, but now that there's music playing, it's probably not going to happen ever. So that's, that's been kind of handy, but I've never had an experience where some like where minion, you've just kind of like been perma muted tried to say something but or did say something but you didn't just realize who it was where i was talking exactly yeah now speaking of you saying stuff you've got a habit of jumping in on the end of my sentences to speak which is the weirdest thing to try to adjust in uh when i'm doing post-production when i'm editing <laughs> so so that that 
That's an improvement I'd like to hear you make one day. I'll point it out whenever jump it happens. Jump in your sentences? When Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm speaking, then you jump right in at the end. And I can't hear you speak? I don't think I can jump in at the end ever because it's always it chains off into something else immediately. Well, um, w- at least wait for the end of, uh, end of a sentence to say stuff as opposed to in the middle of a couple of extra words. So I think you're going to need to have an ear for the way I speak. I tend to just wait a long time and uh, and find the gaps when you're done talking. Often you say you're done talking, which is funny, because you, you lose your, um, like, you, you you lose your way as well as well as me so um we still need to work on a show intro uh have you done any scripting or any thinking about this particular problem it comes and goes and it might as well just say it's a sort of like writer's block how i start thinking about it and then all of a sudden derp okay so um this is a particular ver- version of writer's block i suppose um I I actually have a minor project for getting rid of writer's block. It just doesn't apply to this. So uh, my earlier suggestion was all... So we need a way of conveying what we're like, right? And what kind of content we can provide, which is weird because... I, a couple of times I've had to attempt to explain exactly what the podcast is about. Because I'm like, hey, hey, I, I started a podcast. We're 20 episodes in. It's like, we're doing pretty good. And the first thing they ask is, oh, what's it about? <laughs> I have to say, uh, it's about whatever. <laughs> and But there's no politics. And uh, they're like, yeah, that sounds great. It looks like, you you know, it sounds like you're really doing well. It's like, well, n- no, because really what I want to be able to do is get them, get every person I ever talk to on board, get them to come, get them to listen. That's why having the website was really useful. That's why having playlists is really useful. So I think what I'm going to do is make the um, the clips playlist much more visible via the website uh, or specifically like embedding an intro video in the website, for example, and just pointing people there. And and so what you could do is you've got access to all of the shows. And what I've been doing is I haven't like lately, I haven't done a very good job of it, but as I'm listening, I will create breakpoints that will indicate other interesting bits or the, there's a clips timeline that well I'll, I'll pull stuff down where it's not one of those clips that gets published in the timeline, like in our playlist. So they're not official released clips. They're just parts of a particular show that I've pulled down because they were interesting. You can go through any of the old episodes. And like, so for example, I think it's, you've got access to 1617 right now. I can't remember that are just very new that haven't been released yet. Um, You can look at, actually look at the Audacity project and scrub through the, the timeline and find those things that I've pulled down that would be interesting. And then just listen to those and see if they're good enough for you to clip some of it out and 
get into the practice of, of, of like just pulling random bits out. So that's one thing that you can do. But if you, if you're expecting me to find the best ofs like that for you, then tell me like 15 seconds maximum or something like that. And I'll find some interesting, like one liners that are good enough that, and I'll start pulling them out for you specifically, just give you some wave files. So I can start doing that. What, uh, let me take a look really quick. Let's see what show that I'm per presently working on. I'm technically working on episode 21, so I'm not far behind. And so for the episodes 21, 22, and then this one, I can pull out like 10 minutes of one-liner sentences. And if I were to, to do that, um, would that give you enough material to work with? Maybe 10 is too much, maybe five, maybe four. And then we have a one intro, one minute intro to now how lucid I am and how different you are. And then the clip, then the clip show, so to speak. Like, is that, does that solve your problem? I honestly don't know. Okay. So I'm going to say yes. Yes. This is the correct thing to do. Then what we'll do is once a month. So that's once, once every eight episodes, we'll all have another five minutes worth of little one-liners as I listen through and I'll be able to pull that off. No problem. And, uh, so you'll always have like quite a lot of little clips to work with and string them together. If I'm the guy that has to string them together, it's going to be trivial. So I can just hand that to you. And for all it matters, we can reuse the same like one minute intro that we'll make. Um, so maybe we should just like, <sighs> hmm. Well, how about we sit to, how about we not even bother planning? We'll just think about it. We'll let it percolate. If you remember the idea of percolation and, uh, we will at next show and at the end of third segment, we'll just do a practice run like that live during the podcast and we'll just introduce and we'll, we'll just try and see what it's like. The only thing that needs to happen is to make sure that you speak and you don't have to not that you can, but you don't have to think about what you have to say. Just say stuff like, hi, I'm me. Sometimes I, I say things. I like glue. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> thinking hard, thinking, make brain warm. Don't like brain warm. Um, yeah. So, so we can let it percolate. Don't think about it. And then next week we'll just take a stab at it. Maybe what we'll do is the, the first few minutes of, of third segment, we'll work on it. And then we'll do another pass at the end few minutes of the final stretch of the show. We'll do another pass and then see what happens. See if something nice comes out. I mean, maybe what I should do is I should steal content from the previous, like I think it was episode 20 where we first discussed this and, uh, I could pull some of that out because it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> At least what I was doing it was, was honest. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> okay. Something else. Um, so I do want to get into the administrivia. I always love talking about this stuff because I, it's a whole pile of stuff that I wish that I had heard when I was first getting into the more technical stuff. So I'm going to start with the big breakthrough that I had earlier today 
was understanding the chain of audio processing stuff that can go into it's it's a very specific set of things that that can be done for processing for a voice so this is not multiple voices this is not singing this is not music it's something that's very specific to an isolated kind of a sound booth or a conversation a room type of single voice that's appropriate for a podcast and so Minnie and I are separated. So we've got two separate audio tracks and that lets me process them differently. So there's, there technically could be some differences in the way I handle that stream, but right now I don't have that. So I learned today how to do better equalizer settings and it's, it's interesting. So, so there's something called a high pass filter or a rumble filter or whatever it ends up getting called. Um, and the notion is that humans can only, we only have a certain range, just like we can only see in certain ranges. We can also only make sound in certain ranges, right? So there, there are constraints, our mortal constraints, and our mortal constraints for voices are, we can't, there are subsonic, they're lower than audible, which exist in the atmosphere around us. We're not hearing it, but it's out there. So in, in one sense, you don't need to record that because your microphone is good enough to pick up a range outside of human hearing. And so you don't need to record that data so you can keep things a little bit cleaner. Also, there is stuff that is lower than a human voice. Even the nice deep, deep voice just doesn't exist in human range outside of that. And that's like the rumble of cars, right? So that's where the, the, the rumble comes from a rumble filter. And there's stuff that's high out of that and that's too far above human speaking range. So things like, like certain, like a hi hat and certain other instruments that are up there, like a bird chirping, possibly a whistle and stuff like this can get way, way up there. And because a regular human speaking range, we're not talking volume, we're talking, you know, the bass and the treble, right? the depth and the height of a human voice range is, is constrained. We can actually apply a, a filter to get rid of the low end and well, technically to get rid of the high end. And what that does is that cleans up the sound so that we're removing like background sound that is not voice. And so that can be done with a high pass filter. But what I learned is you don't have to do it that way. You can actually do it as part of an equalization pass. And equalization lets you do things like um, some, yeah, nobody likes the sound of their own voice, right? Now, but legitimately Minion has a bad voice for various reasons. Now, not just the volume reason I was complaining about, but you've you got a terrible voice. And so it is possible to take equalization settings that will help man up his voice, <laughs> give him a little bass, give him a little substance, but it's also necessary to have equalization settings to make a voice sound more authentic. So for example, um, certain, let's say clarity first. So I'll talk about clarity. So the example that I was getting earlier today from this one video author was he's got, he's got a, a base, he's got a base presence in his voice. I wouldn't consider him as having a particularly bass heavy voice, but he is a classic male voice. And 
He's so he's got some bass in it, and it's actually a problem for recording that. So what he does is he has equalization settings now. His voice and my voice are similar enough that I'm actually just stealing his equalization settings. Um, and they seem to work well with me. I don't have a very good ear for stuff, so I can't really tell. So I'm thinking of hiring him to get help. But so what he does with his nice bassy voice is he actually cuts out. He, he reduces some of the bass in his voice because it helps with clarity. And for other people, adding a little bit of bass in there, like lifting up what already exists, will give a little bit more uh, warmth to the voice. And there are certain other circumstances where, de depending on mic positioning and where it's pointed and stuff like that, you might pick up more of the chest and get some more of the bass out that way. And depending on stuff, you can make little tweaks that will help. Because right now, What's happening is I'm speaking, I've got a microphone, and there's a listener. Really the experience a listener should have is being next to me in this room, right? Maybe being a little bit across the room, um, maybe being in a chair beside me, almost as though their ears are where my microphone is. And actually getting that, like conveying that experience is something that can be helped in equalizer settings. So it can, it can clarify the base end of things and it can lift some of that as necessary. It can pull down some of the mids to make it a little bit uh, less an overwhelming experience. So this equalization isn't too manipulative in a certain sense because rounding everything out is a little bit weird for the ears. And then you can also cut out the base, like cut out the things that are outside of human hearing in order to try to remove some of the weird high-pitched hisses and whines and rumbles, like traffic and stuff like that, to try to cut those things out. So I actually got help. This guy gave the equalizer settings, so I was able to actually copy-paste them and put them in. And so I actually cleaned up the macro that I'm using. I removed some unnecessary stuff. I'm not at the point when I would just give it away, but it, it's actually so easy that I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost good enough. I'm almost in a happy place with the macro that I'm using with all the different audacity settings to be able to just like have this cut and paste into a comment or in a description somewhere so that somebody else can just use it as is. So you would just need to know how to select an area of your, of, of, open mic to get the background noise for noise removal. You'd have to know how to clip stuff out of your track to like to hand edit stuff, to remove stuff, and then just apply this thing and away you go. And then somebody else would be able to do the, the, the post-production stuff that I had to learn for. They could just do it without having to think about it. And that would be good enough, be good enough. And then, I would love to do an episode just talking about all the hardware and the software setup and how we do, like we, we would have like a special, it would be, it would be our thousand subscriber thing or something like this, right? Yeah. There's something to look forward to. So I'm, I'm quite happy about the software side of stuff and I'm, I'm quite, I'm in a good place about listening to some of our old shows and, and really editing it. And maybe I'll be motivated to uh, pull out those clips right? It'll, it'll give me something else to listen to 
not just listen to improvements in audio. And I talked about headphones earlier. The other thing that was just driving me mental is chair sounds. So I, I wiggle around a little bit sometimes, you know, the bad back, right? And uh, the chair, the sounds in my chair can get picked up because I've got a highly sensitive microphone. And the microphone, it isn't so much that it's highly sensitive, is it's not right in front of my mouth. And it's not in front of my mouth because I want to get used to it being in a certain position so that there could be a, a camera looking at me and also so I can look at my screen. So I can't have this thing in my face uh, because it's just a distraction. And the problem with having it further away is that uh, it's further away, so the the voice is a little bit weaker at that distance, just a little. And because it's a little bit weaker, everything's got to get picked up. Like the volume has to be increased at the microphone level, at the software level, or doing post, post-production, doing the editing. And if you're doing that, if you're lifting up all the volume, you're also lifting up the volume of all the awful background muddy crap that's there. So it's, it gets to be really important to know how to filter that stuff out, to, to try to get rid of a lot of that stuff. So I've got this weird trade-off where if I have the microphone in my face, I can't like stream games or something like that because my face has a microphone in front of it. And I certainly couldn't have a pop screen in front of it because now I've got a big disc in front of my face. So there goes half my face, right? And, and so if I move it to the side, well, it, I can't have it next to my head because my voice doesn't go quite over there. So I've kind of got to have it, you know, three quarters, kind of 45 degrees, something like that, off, and, off a little bit. But if I put it there, there are consequences in terms of, of where it points and how much background noise it picks up and all this kind of stuff. Okay. I've complained about breathing. I actually, I kind of like it. I don't know. I don't know because uh, I don't listen to enough other podcasts. You can hear me inhaling and I, as long as I'm not doing the little plosives, which I think I've gotten really good at not having, there's still some wetness in my voice. And that's just because um, I talk straight. <laughs> You'll accumulate saliva and I don't necessarily have swallow breaks. So I'll eventually get a wetter and wetter mouth for a while. So you can hear a bit of that, but you can definitely hear my terrible labored breathing because um, I'm I, my cardio is just so bad. I'm so embarrassed. It was never very good. It got a little bit okay for a while. Um, the other thing that we implemented, I, I forced Minion to have a push-to-talk thing set up. Man, this is not a big help. Oh, I really hate cleaning up his voice everywhere. Now that I won't have to do it, Oh, joy, it's going to make my life so good. <laughs> you have no idea how bad it's been. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to introduce you to how hellish it's been. It's been bad. Um, so, yeah, I'm okay with my breathing. It seems pretty good. I'm When Minion talks, I'm trying to... I have a what's called a cough button. I have the opposite of a push to talk, which is my mic is open, but if I press this button my mic turns off, more or less, it mutes. And so that lets me have moments when I cough or I know I'm going to squeak or click, like if I wanted to reach for my pen. And so I can reach for my pen, but if I do, I don't want to have to deal with editing this out in post because I already made this other click earlier. Um, 
But if I like clickety clack with the, the, the end button, that leaves a giant awful spike and that can wreck some of the post-production and stuff like this. Not with mine. I don't think, I think mine is going to be pretty good, but it, it sucks. It sucks and has to be edited out. So if I press my push, my cough button, I can press the button, make whatever noises I need, adjust my chair, cough, and right, click a pen, and then un, then then re-engage my microphone, and away I go. That's actually been wonderful, also. So that has helped with a lot of the audio problems that have happened before. Now, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is um, is room treatment. And then I'm out of stuff to really talk about. <laughs> so, so, so there's inside a room and there's outside and outside of a house. Okay. And the way, so there's two concerns with the content that gets pushed into a microphone. The first is, so you've got your voice that's, it's, uh, washing over an area and it washes over an area and it bounces off of walls and it comes back and it gets diffused by certain objects. It reaches out even down to your floor. And so there's a difference in your voice. If you have a carpeted floor versus a, um, like a shag carpet versus a polished floor, if it's granite, it's going to be different from wood, etc. And so it's going to reflect differently. And if you're in just a, a really unfurnished, empty room, the acoustics are very different there. You'll know going, if you've ever moved and you've got no furniture in the new place, you walk in and you, there's, there's something weird and oppressive happening to your hearing. And it, it bugs a lot of people. There's a kind of odd openness that's there. And there's this idea of the, like the world's quietest room. If you just YouTube and look for this stuff, um, there have been, there has been some hard science to try to figure out how sound works in order to make a room that, that absorbs the sound that gets produced in it. So it's got all these massive cones everywhere and these textures, and there'll be like a little platform with a chair in it, <laughs> like a reclining chair. And it's like, okay, you can enter into this room, but, but note things get weird in there and we can, we can put you in the chair and we you have to, there's like a special insulated door. Everybody leaves and we close the door. We've got an observation booth. So you just have to call out if there are any problems, <laughs> this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and you go and sit down in this chair and then. Like there's no sound and humans don't that biologically we have not evolved with that experience. And so if you, if you have hearing and you, and, and it still works and it is in an area that is absent of sound, your hearing keeps reaching for stuff desperately. And it's very much like how dreams work. Although I know more than most, so explaining it is a little bit weird. But what happens is it's like hallucinating. You get auditory hallucinations of a sort. But you also start hearing your own blood, your own heartbeat and stuff like that, just because there's nothing else. 
So your own breathing becomes really loud. You start hearing the creaks in your joints, stuff like this that you would never experience before. I've, I hear all this stuff because I have funny hearing. But, but anyway, but anyway. So there are issues with the area around a microphone where sound is, can be manipulated, can be absorbed, it can be reflected. So that's, that's kind of the first concern. The second is from the outside, there can be traffic, for example, and it will, you'll still hear it inside. It will penetrate most easily through your windows. It'll kind of the heavy bass like stuff has long, long sound waves and it will penetrate through windows really easily through walls fairly easily. And it, it will eventually bounce around your room and it will find a way into your microphone. Okay. Now the, the bass end of stuff, you can high pass filter it out. Okay. So remember high pass filter means that all the high stuff passes and the low stuff just gets blocked out. Now I do that through the equalizer. So I, I try to remove the sounds that are, it just reduces the volume to nothingness of the stuff that is outside of human hearing range. But you as a human can hear nice deep voices and the microphone can hear nice deep voices and the car sounds still have some sound in that range. So that sound still gets in. So how do you get rid of it? Well, you get rid of it by putting in a lot of thick material and that thick material has to be of a certain density and of a certain physical size so that that long sound wave has as much of its length as possible to, to get interfered with in the substance of your acoustic barrier. And so you have what people use is they use traditional heat insulating material used in building houses, like in your walls. So your outside walls will have a certain kind of really high quality insulation and it's, it's, it's butted up like end to end to end, like one well sealed box around your entire house. And it keeps out the heat and it keeps out the cold and it lets you manage your temperature inside. Well, something like that works for audio. And this is why people have a closet that's been specially treated or something like this. And it works, but it doesn't work very well for bass. All the solutions that are out there are just not going to work for the low end of stuff because the low end of stuff, it does not care about how many little ripples exist in your foam. It cares about the foam and the foam that you're going to get is, is, is soft. It's light. It's all fluffy inside and it does absolutely nothing for bass. Bass needs a substantial amount, a thick amount, a heavy amount of stuff in the way. And so I was learning about this and you can purchase paneling, but the paneling you get is really expensive. Like the good stuff is really, really expensive. Plus it's expensive to ship because it's physically heavy and it has to be large because you got to put it up in the way. You have to have it intercept the sound from a car, the, the moving cones of sound that washes through your house. You have to have barriers between your phone and it, your phone, uh, your microphone and it. So I learned how to make these things and it's, uh, 
you have to get really nice, thick, heavy insulation. I'm not going anywhere near fiber, fiberglass insulation. There's like heavy fiberglass. I, I don't want fiberglass near anything I own, let alone. I'm still kind of worried about having breathed in some of the fiberglass from taking down some insulation from a light fixture that I have in this very room. But I mean, good thing I vacuumed and I steam carpet cleaned stuff like that. So I don't have to worry. I don't think now I'm kind of regretting. I wasn't really anally retentive about vacuuming as much as I really could have, but you know, I did, I did. Okay. I, I think I'm pretty safe. I'm pretty healthy. Um, so you can get this uh, non-fiberglass stuff as long as it's really thick, as long as it's really dense and you can put it, you can box it in a frame or you can figure out how to wire it up and just hang it from the walls. And so I'm thinking about doing that, but I'm also thinking about just building them into standalone like partitions and just boxing a chunk of the area around my, myself and my microphone. So it's going to, it's going to reduce, probably almost remove my voice from reflecting out in that direction. So you have like a fabric layer and then you've got an air gap in the thickness and between all of that, the highs and the lows will get rather well absorbed. And from the backside of stuff, it will help filter out the traffic because that's the other thing. Editing all this stuff, boy, do I hear cars out there. And I think maybe it's more of a Sunday thing than a Wednesday thing because we've been really lucky so far today, but, but it's, it's awful. And I've noted in our edits when I hear car sounds, it just makes me feel better to note these things. But theoretically speaking, if I ever learn how to do stuff or we hire somebody or whatever, those marks will help them pull the, the car sound and then noise removal it out properly because my attempts just fail. So there might be ways, there might be ways to do things a little bit better in the future. Um, at any rate, I'm pretty much out of stuff to talk about. Um, I think the, the last thing is, um, Minion, have you ever looked up what audio settings we should be using? What streaming settings, this kind of stuff, like what bit rate and all that kind of junk there it's mentioned on Twitch, but at this moment it's should be fine. Well, yeah, I mean, it does conversion on the fly and stuff like that. Um, I bumped into settings. Well, I, I, well, I read everything that I can kind of come across. So I, I might be, I might try to find solutions for problem A, and then I'll find people that are talking a little bit about problem A, uh, but about problem B as well, which I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. One of the things I was thinking about was like, we got 44,100 project rate. Is that, don't we want a bigger number? <laughs> <laughs> like that, because we have really, really big numbers are available. Like, what does that number mean? And, uh, and, and no, no, we're really good at defaults are just fine. And some professionals will go for a slightly better quote. Yeah, it is a better project rate. It's just taking more data per fraction of a second. Um, so we're good there, but there's also bit rates. So like anybody who has MP3s is like the maximum is 320 and the minimum is like, you're probably not going to get anything under 64, 64 is it kilobytes a second. And 
So, and there's also variable bitrate, which, which is superior. You should have variable bitrate about average of 192. But for voice, for voice with no music, it can be 96K. It can be really small. And so it occurs to me that it might be possible for us to tweak our settings, our, our recording settings, so that we're at a lower bitrate. Right now, I don't even know what bitrate. It's like, it says here 32-bit float. I don't know what that means. Now, if we lower the bitrate, that might mean that the file sizes for everything is very significantly uh, smaller. And I don't know if it's true, but it might also improve the speed for doing like uh, post-production stuff. I, but I'm just not sure. I don't know how things work. So understanding if there are specific numbers necessary for YouTube or whatever else we end up uploading to, like Vimeo or DLive or I don't know. I don't know what else exists these days. Um, yeah, so it would be nice to learn that. But right now, I think it doesn't really matter. It's just something to keep in mind for the future. Um, yeah, the, the magic is that YouTube just makes things go. And so if you feed it terrible, terrible settings, it'll kind of figure it out. Um, it, it would be nice to optimize it. That way, uh, the quality is as good as possible because we've done everything right on our end and not, not rely on YouTube doing the magic audio conversion because uh, there's some quality loss whenever you're going through some of these steps. So, uh, having the highest quality possible would be wonderful to learn. And then there's also, I mean, we still need to figure out the iTunes thing. That's probably pretty damn important. Um, okay. I'm out of stuff to talk about. Do you have anything on your mind? Any administrivia, any, anything, anything? No, not really. It's all, it's usual. It's sort of blank. Sort of blank. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm at the point when, I mean, we're talking a little bit about our lives, so we can complain about all kinds of stuff, really. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm never going to talk about work. Uh, I've talked enough about my, like, language learning stuff. It's it's almost frozen because <laughs> they're just awful instructors. Um, there are no games that are any good anymore. I mean, if you want, I can, well, I'm not going to... That's the thing. I'm not going to stream my, I mean, maybe I should. I don't think I'm going to live stream my gameplay if I start going through my Steam library. So, I mean, but that's always a thing. <laughs> if you ever, if you ever wanted to start going through your Steam library and have that as an excuse for something to just have, and then just get that as practice for streaming, maybe we can do that. I mean, why not set that up for... Like it's just some random Steam game. If you want to set that up for next week, something like this. I don't know. Maybe. I'm gonna guess you're not interested in that. Are you not hearing me again? I am hearing you just now. Oh, I said maybe. Oh, okay. Um, maybe. Wow. So that means no. <laughs> okay. So why don't we end this early? It's not that early. Now uh, we're gonna be back on uh, Sunday for episode number 24. 
This has been 2020-0930, episode 23, lucidindifference.com. I will see you all again real soon.